And welcome to And Let's Be Heard. This is Micah Chopley. It is Friday, December 31st, one. And for the first time, I have a special guest. I have a special guest, and introduce him. I'll explain how we know each other. Um, his name on Twitter, he wants to go by his Twitter handle to be anonymous, is, uh, is Domestic Terrorist, at Domestic415. Um, are you there? Yes, sir. I'm here. It's a pleasure to be here. Hello. Okay, great. Everything sounds great. Um, but I'm just going to give the people exactly how we know each other. That I've been very active on Twitter for a long time now, especially during this uh, two-year period of, of Michigas with COVID. And I'd always post, whenever my building here in San Francisco would post a, uh, a uh, message about having to wear masks or if you're vaccinated, first it was everyone needed to wear them. Then they took that down. They put up one that said you have to wear them if you're if you're just unvaccinated. Then they took that down. Then we had six weeks of not having to wear masks at all. Then they put a sign up that said now vaccinated. And they kept on going and going and going. And then, of course, we had the vaccine passport system introduced here in San Francisco, uh, which means that if you want to go to a gym, you have to have your papers in order to get into the gym. And my building decided that they were going to make us have to file our vaccine papers with the front office of security in order to be able to use a gym, which is used by about three people a day. And when I go, usually 11 p.m., there's nobody there. So I went crazy. And I took a, a, a snapshot of the email that I had received from the building, and I put it on Twitter. And about an hour later, I get a response from domestic terrorists. I mean, Mike, we live in the same building. And this is crazy because we had gone back and forth on Twitter quite a bit. We were connected on Twitter. And uh, I, I had thought everyone in this building was a crazy left-wing nut job. I didn't think anyone in this building was normal. I didn't think anyone in this building thought like us. And there you go. So it was really worth it for uh, posting that on Twitter. Or I may never have met domestic terrorists. And that's our story. Great story, isn't it? Um, yes, you know, it's all true. I think you were one of several examples of people who I ran into who were just happy to see another person who shares the same basic views on what's going on because there is so few of us. And I remember how we hugged each other at the gym as if we were old friends, even though we've never met before. Exactly, exactly. And, uh, and I, then, I, then you, you told me there were like a few, a few others, not, not that many, right? A few others in the building who were normal also and weren't, weren't, weren't uh, branch Covidians. And it made me feel a little bit better, you know, about, about things here. And then we had a small accomplishment where the building finally decided that uh, we didn't have to have our vaccine papers in order to enter a gym that nobody uses, you know, that Common sense wasn't enough. We had to go through the whole rigmarole of, of, uh, of, you know, contacting the city and having the city say it was okay for us to not have papers in a private building gym. And that's where we are now, you know. Um, but, uh, of course, that could always change, right? London Breed can decide that all gyms are closed again. And if believe me, if London Breed decided we're closing gyms again or Gavin Newsom decided we're closing gyms again, I would not be able to use the gym in my building. Uh, everyone would gain weight and get COVID and die, and that's their solution, right? <laughs> yes, and uh, we know that when they say they're not going to do something, uh, we know that it's almost certain that they are going to do it. Oh, exactly. A absolutely, 100%. 100%. Um, people here just march in lockstep, and as you know, look, we've gone back and forth a lot. We've talked about 
people in the city just well 99% of them are just going to do what they're told that's it they they they, they truly believe the left wing truly believes that the government big government is good that the government should tell them what to do that if the government's telling them to do it it's good for them isn't that the truth isn't that what they believe at heart Yes. And, you know, every time we hope that the next time they do something crazy, it's going to be a nudge to the, the masses to wake up. And, uh, you know, you wanted earlier today to talk about Robert's, Robert Malone's banning on Twitter and him going on Joe Rogan. I'm, hopefully, I'm hoping that combinations of events like this, when somebody very famous and very known gets banned and they immediately go to talk about it, on Joe Rogan in front of many, many millions of people, that's got to do something. That's got to wake some people up, don't you think? Well, I would think so. I mean, you know, I think people are calling this, you know, that the Streisand effect, you know, where Twitter is trying to ban him and cancel him, and he's going to end up having so many more people know about him now than he would have if Twitter hadn't banned He had a half million followers on Twitter, and we know that 40 million people watched that episode with Dr. McCullough. So it's crazy. You know, if they had just left well enough alone, various people would even know who Malone is because, of course, you won't see him. I've seen him on Fox, but you won't see him on CNN or MSNBC, the guy who invented the damn (laughs) NRA, the guy who invented it. And, you know, I can imagine how disheartening it is to just be banned instantly because on some platforms, when somebody bans you, they give you some time to gather your followers or to, to you know, to back up your database, your information. But apparently here, you, me, anyone, anyone, you know, we are pretty active on Twitter at any moment. They can just ban us and it's like you never existed. Oh, absolutely. No doubt about it. And they know that. I mean, they know that most people get their followings on Twitter. That's how they connect with people, you know, like like Trump connected with with Americans uh, on Twitter. I'm just Googling Rob Malone and seeing if anything comes up about him. If you just Google Malone, OK, you get banned on Twitter, but there's nothing on here about who he is. I mean, if you Google him, you think the first thing would come up would, would talk about who exactly the man is and how important he, ha- he is um, in regards to covid. And of course, they, they, there's nothing here, nothing, nothing here at all. And, and you know, they, they, they will definitely, if you, if you look at, we've talked this before, but if you look what Fauci does, and someone on Twitter today brought the point that what he does so well is he just changes his mind every couple of weeks. He'll, he'll change his tune every couple of weeks. He's done that for two years now. He'll say one thing today, the opposite thing tomorrow, hoping that one of those things sticks. And he can say, you see, I was right here. And, and that's all Fauci does. There's no consistency. But a guy like Malone, he's been very consistent in every interview he gives. The same with doctors like Marty McCarry and, and Jay Bhattacharya and, and Atlas. Right. Incredibly consistent. But, you know, Fauci's method is just throw a million things you can at the wall, hoping something will stick. And then you can say, look at what I did. Look how look how right I was. You know, and that's all he does. But right. but, uh, uh, you know, you have a guy who's a vaccine expert, you know, who invented the damn things, basically. Right. And. Right. And they ban him and they ban him. <laughs> you know, it's crazy. It's absolutely insane. But we want to talk about other stuff. What we really want to talk about, I think, are the people in San Francisco lining up for these PCR tests. And have, have you been out there? Because you domestic terrorist goes out there. He goes out there <laughs> in the streets of San Francisco and he sees things. He sees who is looking, who's taking the vaccine passports, who's not, you know, who's more lenient, who's who's asking, who's a mass Nazi, who's not. What have you seen? as far as people going crazy trying to get tested? 
Well, you know, I haven't seen any lines here. I don't really go to the areas where there is PCR testing. All I see is on TV, they show that there are very long lines on the East Coast. And I know these are not the people who are traveling. We know these are not the people who feel sick. So it's a pure panic. Along with hoarding, I just learned today that the reason that uh, almost every Walgreens is out of tests is because people hoarding tests, just like they used to hoard toilet paper right. in the beginning of that. With regard to vaccine passports, you know, uh, it looks to me, some people say 50-50. I would say it's about 75 25 on enforcement 75 places do enforce 25 don't and i think it's going to change with time the businesses are going to get tired of it i'm hoping that people will get tired of it i think the fancier the more formal places definitely enforce the more ethnic places people owned by maybe arab or pakistani or east european people for obvious reasons they're less uh, they they enforce less. And I actually talked to a few restaurant owners and some of them without mentioning names, they're very proud of not caring and not enforcing. They feel as strongly as you and I about this stuff, which, you know, it feels so great to hear restaurants, restaurant owners say something like this when you ask them. And I make it a point every time I go to these places, once I'm done with my meal, with my coffee, whatever, I come up to them and I thank them for not enforcing I, I, I for for not enforcing these vax mandates, and then often it opens up a nice conversation. It's a nice icebreaker. Well, so you, I think seventy five twenty five or a place like that fifty fifty is impossible here. There's no way, but I think seventy five twenty five is not a bad split for a place like this. No, actually, not at all. No, that's actually better great. than I thought it was. So that's that's my hope. See, my hope is yours that that the, the, that the three out of four that do that they'll get tired of doing it, as opposed to used to doing it that's the problem see that's the problem places getting used to doing it and just doing it forever and i i don't think they have any excuse you know maybe in europe you know cops and inspectors go door to door they find businesses here there is like zero enforcement yes there are a few karens who might complain i don't even think anything happens if they complain so these businesses only do it uh, i mean i can't avoid but come to the conclusion that they only do it because they want to. They believe in it. They believe in it. Let's 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 let let's get us to our next subject, which is the Please. fact that cases are exploding here in San Francisco. Record number. New York keeps breaking their records every 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 day now. In the last right. two days, they broke their record back to back. When we talk about record, we're talking about since the beginning of this thing, since the worst right. months at the beginning. Okay. Now, yes, hospitalizations and deaths are nowhere near because the Omicron variant is not deadly. But still, cases are exploding everywhere. So cases are exploding in New York and cases are exploding in California, San Francisco, Los Angeles, New York City. As, as de Blasio leaves office, cases are highest as they've ever been since the beginning of this thing. And then when it happens in Florida, what happens domestic? We can't, the media goes crazy, right? Focusing on how cases yeah. are exploding in Florida because they have no mandates. Meanwhile, cases are exploding in all these places with all these mandates. So yes. You would think. Common sense, let's add, let's add one and one here, it equals two. If cases are exploding everywhere in places with strict mandates and places without strict mandates, you would think these high IQ liberals would come to the conclusion that mandates don't matter, wouldn't you? Yeah, well, that's one of our frustrations with liberals. Besides not being able to learn from the lessons from the past that were given to us, besides 
not being able to change their mind about things when they should. Uh, admitting fault is definitely not their strength. They can just never admit fault. But on that note, I wanted to mention two things real quick. So one, there is a research out of Germany that I saw today that uh, apparently vaccinated people are far, far, far more prone to getting Omicron. But more importantly, according to many scientists, this Omicron and this fast, rapidly spreading disease here, it's actually a blessing because more people will get this relatively light infection quicker. They will become immune quicker. And overall, this will be better. I hope it's true. Well, that is the truth. I mean, that's the whole point. That we're seeing many scientists, many doctors, many immunologists and infectious disease experts saying this is exactly, Omicron's a gift. It's a gift. It's, it's basically a na nature's vaccination, nature's inoculation. That's what it is without long-term possible short-term and long-term side effects that the vaccines have. So that's the point. Omicron will do. This is, see, this is, the, this is the ironic thing. Omicron will most likely do what the vaccines never could, what we will promise the vaccines would do. That's promised vaccines would get us to normal when, in fact, Omicron might get us back to normal. That is if, if Democrats want us to go back to normal, which I don't believe they do. You know, I was. Well, I, I want to get your opinions, but I was thinking about this tonight as I was driving through the streets of San Francisco, seeing all the closed up, boarded up places and no nightlife on the night before New Year's Eve. Um, I was thinking, you know, I don't think a lot of these lefties to go back to normal. This is like it's almost like um, it's almost like COVID has been excited, has made their life more exciting. This new normal is something they're enjoying. They think the old normal is uh, mundane and boring. And it means they're going to have to go back into the office. I don't think they want to do it. You know, I hate to agree with you and to be so cynical, but I think this is this becomes more and more of a self-selected group, meaning sane people left, uh, leaving behind a more concentrated uh, amount of insane people. And yes, uh, this is the religion. First of all, first of all, we got to give quote unquote credit to the media. Uh, the panic has not stopped. Generating panic day and night on every news channel has not stopped as if we were in the beginning. And you have people who treat this whole thing as a religion. And uh, I actually noticed way, way more masking outdoors in the last few days, especially when it was raining than before. So clearly they're watching the news. Clearly they're paying attention to the panic and they continue buying it. They continue. You know, but as bad as things are here, and they are really bad in places like California, New York, and many, many blue cities and states, we're not half as bad as Canada. Uh, Quebec going into a lockdown again tomorrow. On, on, yes. New, Year, on New Year's Eve, they go, everyone has to be inside by 10 p.m. It's awful. And, you know, the most disheartening thing is people tolerate it. And I know that France and Israel and some other places announce uh, outdoor masking but you know you mentioned gyms you know recently they reinstate mask mandates in gyms one reason they can do it so easily is obvious is because there is zero resistance it's so easy to do if there was a riot after something like this once they would think long and hard before jerking us around back and forth again well and i right? I, I mistakenly said lockdown curfew which is even stupider i mean they're all stupid but so what are they yeah. saying they're saying the vac they're saying the the virus between 10 p.m. and 5 a.m. <laughs> is, is is active and how silly that when there are fewer well, people out in the streets the virus is more active than everyone is out in the street 
Well, you know, I actually tried to find out what's behind it. I tried to see where they're coming from. So I talked to a few people and they have this theory, which of course is not based, not backed by data or anything, right? But they have this theory that when people stay up later, they tend to be more drunk. And when they're more drunk, they they lo- they become less responsible and they close, you know, they, they, they stand they closer their to each other. Their nose? Is that what yeah, I'm... yeah. Oh, so it's all garbage. That. Can't have that. Again. Yeah. Yeah, but that's the theory. That's the theory. You know, you mentioned de Blasio earlier. I wanted to ask you, why are people so excited about de Blasio leaving when the new mayor says that he's going to push the same narrative? Uh, I think because that's how it shows how bad de Blasio has been. I mean, if de Blasio had, if de Blasio was able to run again, he would have lost to this guy Adams in a Democratic primary. People don't like de Blasio. Democrats don't even like him. So I think that's the whole thing. It's just like new boss, but unfortunately, it's like, the song, you know, new boss, same as the old boss. And I'm sure that's going to be the case. I, I'd have more faith if Adams was an independent, at least, or libertarian or Republican. But being part of that Democratic Party is a cult. And he's going to have to do the same things that the Blasio's done. He just might not be quite as arrogant about it. Or, you know, quite. A, de Blasio has been so arrogant and joyous about his mandates. And he keeps on going yeah. further and further. There are a couple of those mandates, like the work one, that Adams might reconsider. So I think, you know, and maybe Adams will end some of these mandates sooner as you would have, which probably would have been never. I have faith that maybe Adams will end this at some point in 2022, which I think mm-hmm. the Blasio never would have done. So that's the hope. You know, it's just a hope. But like you said, right. I think you gave me a scale of one to ten, which your optimism and it was like a two, you know, for things to <laughs> yes. really change. But to get the, the Blasio out is just really big. I mean, because he was getting so arrogant about the whole thing, you know, so, uh, you know, he never felt there was any, any possibility he was off or wrong about anything he's done. You know, th- despite the fact, this is why I want to ask liberals. I want to say, okay, please show me how, <laughs> so vaccine passports were supposed to get rid of COVID and get us back to normal before vaccines were supposed to get rid of COVID and get us back to normal before mass was supposed to get rid of COVID and get us back to normal before lockdowns were supposed to and COVID and get us back to normal. Has any of it worked? Well, they have this um, agenda. They do all these things not to protect us, not to resolve the problem, but strictly to encourage vaccination. And they openly admitted, Fauci admitted, well, not Fauci, the health director of New York admitted that they overstated the, the illness among children in order to scare parents into vaccinating their children. I mean, that's awful. That you is see, just you awful. see that thing that just happened in New York where they lied about the numbers and they yep, pretty much yep. admitted they lied about them so mm-hmm. they, to, to scare people? Yeah, that's awful. Well, uh, Fauci has been quoted early in this process as saying he needs to scare people more. People aren't scared enough. Like that's the doctor's what, – what normal – what doctor says that? I want to scare – first of all, the idea of doctors to do no harm, to cure the patient, to take away pain, to cure the patient, to talk about yeah. therapeutics. And the cure, which Fauci has never talked about, has he? No. And, you know, you have these um, cruise shapes with 100% vaccination <laughs> and they get infections left and right. So what are you doing? Why are you pushing? What is it exactly that you're trying to accomplish when even it's, it's, it's obvious that even 100% vaccination uh, is not getting rid of the, of the virus? So, you know, we, you know, we, should, we should try to find maybe a small cruise ship company that will do a 100% unvaccinated 
<laughs> just to be the control room and watch, and nobody will get COVID. And, no, and nobody will get COVID. Then what would they say? Of course, they'll never do it because they know that would probably happen. And then they'd totally have egg on their face. But you're right. Well, these cruise ships have had to do vaccine passports since they started up again. And all these cruise ships are going out and thousands of people are getting all these vaccinated people spreading it to each other. And, you know, I people say it's incompetence among politicians, among doctors. These people are not stupid. So if it's not incompetence, it's got to be evil. And I don't want to talk about Agenda 21, Great Reset, all that stuff, but it becomes harder and harder to not believe in these things because nothing else makes sense because clearly it's not for health and safety. Clearly these people are not stupid. So it is scary because of that. Now, before I get to one final point, I do want to say you've traveled a lot like I have. We both went to uh, Florida. And yeah. uh, so but from your experience, are people in Florida, um, are people in Florida upset about what's happening there? Do they want to come to California? <laughs> well, it looks to me like, they just don't care when I start spilling my heart to them about my problems. It, they live in a different world. They live in a 99.9% normal world, not with only restrictions wise, that there are no restrictions, but business is booming. People are out. People are motivated to enjoy life. They're happy. They're grateful. The same is in Tennessee. And, you know, my sister came to visit from Minnesota, which is a liberal state. And even there, she said, people are much more sane and much more vibe. So um, they, they don't care. Uh, they they maybe feel sorry for us, but they're not dying to talk about uh, mandates and about California. Well, speaking of mandates, I mean, we have a president now for the last year. It's been all about mandates and vaccines. He, he, he's constantly talking about vaccines and boosters. They haven't stopped. It's been a nonstop propaganda campaign. Yet today, the U.S. reported 587 thousand new coronavirus cases setting a world record so once again it's all worked hasn't it all these vaccines and boosters and mandates and passports they've all worked all worked brilliantly. well wait till they really ship half a billion tests how many more new quote-unquote tests that mean nothing how many positives they're going to have that's going to translate into more panic well they're doing more they're restrictions doing, my feeling is they're doing because they want yeah. They know. They know. What they else know. could it be? Right. They know that this is. And once again, this could be the pattern now, because there could, let's say there's another. Let's say there's one final variant, which yeah. is even weaker as far as there are no hospitalizations, no death. It's very weak. It's maybe a sniffle for a day or two. So it's we, even weaker than Omicron, which is very weak. But let's say it spreads five or ten times more. Then what's going to happen? And everyone's going to have their testing kits by then. And everyone yeah. who takes the test is going to be positive. I mean, it's insane. They, any epidemiology 101 will tell you that a virus, and we know a guy who's a very smart guy. He's a scientist. And he told me when I first met him a year ago, he said, Mike, when these things come around, it's a 19 to 24-month cycle. No matter what you do, you do everything, you do nothing. It's a 19-to-24-month cycle. And here we are right smack dab in the middle of that and it's fading away but they want the cases to continue because that's how they continue to control and you know the, the darkest thought that i have is three years from now five years from now because they know they can do it and it became acceptable at least here they can come up with a new random rule for any other disease for flu from pneumonia to say if our cases go up to this number we got to have a mask mandate indoor they can do it indefinitely into the future. And uh, 
all they need to do is to make a little announcement online and everybody's complying 100%. So why uh, not? Complying 100% in the blue cities, not the red cities, the blue right. states. The red states, and we know that's going to that, that's gonna continue. That's never going to change. That's, right. that's only going to get worse. That divide's only going to get worse. So it, it's a divide they know is there. They know it's strong. And I think they want that divide. I think they want that divide. They, they, they want some kind of a civil war. They do. And, and, and I, I don't know what the end game is there. If the end game, a, a, a country of blue states and red states with, with different, different leaders, different presidents, who, who knows where this is going to go? You know, you know what the problem is? It looks like the majority in San Francisco support this. So I don't know if we can complain about our government. We can complain about that. We should complain about our neighbors being delusional more than yes. our government. Right? Absolutely. Absolutely. No doubt about it. Hey, look, we need to do this again. This was great. Absolutely. Yeah. And so maybe in a couple of weeks we'll do it again because there'll be, you know, it's, this is never ending. I wish it would end. But <laughs> and there'll be I was more hoping it was going to end. The but... cases go up, there'll be more mandates here that don't stop anything. And so we'll be able to talk about those. I mean, there might be mandates we haven't even thought about yet, right? They're so very creative. They come up with the most creative, aka ridiculous and arbitrary rules and restrictions, right? So exactly. who knows? So domestic terrorists, by the way, follow him at domestic four one five on Twitter. Uh, we'll talk to you again soon. Okay. Absolutely. Thank you, Mike. It's a pleasure. Have a happy New Year. Bye. You too. Bye bye. Okay, so I want to shift here a little bit and just uh, for the last five minutes uh, talk about a film I just saw. Um, it, this is fantastic. This is one of the best films of the year. This should get a million Oscar nominations. It's The Tragedy of Macbeth. I know people are saying, oh, Shakespeare again, Shakespeare again. But let me tell you something. This is directed by Joel Cohen. This is the first film that uh, Ethan is not part of. And I, I, I'm trying to figure out why and I can't. Maybe someone knows. I've looked all around. I've looked uh, on IMDb. I've looked on the internet. And I can't seem to find why Ethan is not involved in this. And this is the first time ever that Joel has done a solo project. Um, but it's produced by him and his wife, Frances McDormand. And it stars Frances McDormand as Lady Macbeth. I saw her do that, by the way, at Berkeley Rep. So this is the second time I believe she's doing it. And uh, Denzel Washington is Macbeth. Um, also, we have... Uh, um, a great cast, uh, Brendan Gleeson uh, is in it, and Corey Hawkins, and uh, Alex Hassel, and Bertie Carvel, a lot, of, a lot of good young actors who are fantastic, and the film is, I've never been so shaken by Shakespeare before. I mean, you know, cinema has just a way, of course, we know being more intimate than the stage, and I've seen some great stage productions, I've seen many, 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 many uh, Shakespeare productions on, on stage, big and small, and this is just... Joel Cohen, the cinematography is brilliant. It's black and white. It's a little reminiscent of, uh, of uh, Orson Welles' Othello in its mood. The production design is absolutely brilliant. Cinematography, fantastic. Carter Burwell's music, uh, longtime uh, uh, composer for the Coens, fantastic. And it's just, it's the most visceral Shakespeare I've ever seen. I'm, I, I was actually shaken at the end, which I really haven't been. And I've seen some really fantastic productions in places like New York and Oregon Shakespeare Festival. But uh, what Joel Cohen has done here, he's, um, he's really pared it down. I mean, the film is only about an hour 50, hour 45, and, and most productions of Macbeth are, you know, two and a half, three hours. Um, he's, it's, 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 um, he's, he, he's pared it down. He's eliminated a lot of scenes. Uh, he's kept in most of the soliloquies. 
Um, and Denzel Washington is just so powerful as Macbeth. I mean, Denzel Washington is absolutely brilliant. Like I said, Francis McDormand, who's played Lady Macbeth before, is, is shatteringly good. Um, and I really believe, if you have not seen many of, of, of Shakespeare's productions, you should still see this. This might even get you into Shakespeare, which may have been the point of the whole endeavor, maybe bringing a younger audience, a more uh, cinephile audience to uh, Shakespeare. And let me tell you something. Uh, I, I cannot imagine... I cannot imagine art being done better than the tragedy of Macbeth. The, uh, the production design is, is spare, it's vast, it's intimate, every, all of it at once. And the cinematography is absolutely gorgeous, gorgeous, stark, black and white. And the shadows, the way Cohen uses the shadows, and the empty hallways, and vast vast the setting of 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 people in a in a uh in, in an open environment in a vast space vast spaces uh just incredible just incredible uh and i i think that i really hope that people see this and don't get turned off because it's shakespeare i really hope they don't because you're really missing out and you know uh, it's funny i heard someone as i was in the theater say i didn't understand anything they said which probably proved they've never seen shakespeare before you don't have to the, 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 the cinematography is so good, the direction is so tight, the acting is so fantastic that the emotions, the emotions just flow off the screen and you can feel it. You don't need to know exactly what they're saying. You can feel the emotions. You understand what's happening. It's, it's, uh, it's uh, I, I'd say that one of the best Shakespeare's I've ever seen done. Uh, I, I really do. I, and because of it, it's the most accessible, one of the most accessible Shakespeare's I've ever seen done. I mean, it is mesmerizing. You cannot take your eyes off the screen. And at the end, I hope you're as shaken as I was by something I've seen at least five or six times before, but never like this. So cheers to Ethan Cohen, um, who just, you know, I, I tell you, oh, Joe Cohen, sorry, <laughs> Joe Cohen. Ethan had nothing to do with this, I guess, uh, who just really keeps getting better and better and reinventing uh, himself um, in many ways. So, the tragedy of Macbeth, uh, it must, must be heard and seen. And go see it on the big screen. Not streaming, the big screen. Anyway, I want everyone to have a happy new year. Thanks for listening to And Let's Be Heard. I'm Micah Chopley. I'll see you next week or next year as it is. Thanks for listening.